I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. This Sunday, July 26, 2020, marks the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, or the ADA. This sweeping civil rights legislation expanded on the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 that prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities by federally funded entities. Its provisions cover more than 56 million Americans, or approximately 20% of the U.S. population who have a disability. FEMA is committed to helping people before, during, and after disasters, ensuring that people with disabilities have access to and can benefit from our programs and services. As we do each year, we are celebrating inclusivity in emergency management as we mark this 30th anniversary of the legislation. I wanted to sit down with the director of FEMA's Office of Disability Integration, Linda Mastandria, to hear from her about how emergency management has worked to serve people with disabilities over the last 30 years, progress we've made at FEMA, and how we're looking ahead in the COVID environment to ensure we're best serving all disaster survivors. So Linda Mastandria, thank you so much for joining the podcast again. Um, you've been uh, quite the guest for us. Uh, we, we've talked previously on an anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and um, and I think it's appropriate to also check in with you again today uh, as we look forward to this weekend and celebrating uh, the American Disabilities Act 30-year anniversary. So uh, thank you again. You're very welcome. Um, so, Linda, this year's sort of widely used theme is celebrate, learn, and share. And, you know, uh, I, I think that those are just a really great way of, um, you know, bringing some maybe vision to this year's uh, anniversary. But I'm thinking as a practitioner and a person that's been charged with with uh, ensuring the adherence and spirit of this law for, the, for a federal agency, FEMA, um, what does that theme mean for you? Thanks, Mark. So as you know, you know, I've spent my career really working to improve the lives of people with disabilities in the nonprofit world as a lawyer practicing disability law. And now as directors uh, of FEMA's Office of Disability Integration and Coordination since 2017. And the introduction and passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act back in 1990 is really what led me to focus on this career path. And so looking back on these pivotal moments of the last 30 years and seeing how far we've come, I think is truly cause for celebration. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, it, over the last 30 years, we've seen access to public transportation dramatically improve, right? We've seen access to restaurants and movie theaters and shopping centers and parks and beaches, sports and recreation centers and programs. Uh, improve. We've seen improvements in how cities and towns and neighborhoods are being built to be inclusive and accessible and consider the needs of people with disabilities living and visiting there. And there's been, you know, huge advancements, I think, in assistive technology and in communications technologies, too, so that people with all types of disabilities can engage, can interact, can communicate with their families, with their friends, with their colleagues. And we've seen really a dramatic increase as well in people's ability to, to access and engage and interact with their state and local government services and programs too, right? So I, I feel like the last 30 years have really given us a lot to 
to celebrate, right? We've achieved a lot. Now, that said, you know, no matter how far we've come, there's certainly always more to learn, more to do. You know, we continue to grow. We continue to come up with new and different and better ways to build in accessibility, to think about accessibility, to innovate, to create, you know, that inclusive society that was at the heart of what the Americans with Disabilities Act was created to be and to do. And, you know, it's important to share the successes that we've had, but it's equally important to look at the struggles. And it's also very important to, to you know, to celebrate how far we've come, but to now focus on where we need to go. You know, that's a great connection there with some of the, the things that you listed in terms of major improvements, because the access to transit, access to uh, parks and, and other things like that, that's public infrastructure. And a large portion of what FEMA does is restore public infrastructure after disasters. And so as we have just celebrated our 40th anniversary of the agency and looking back over the 30 years, how has the ADA influenced specifically the work that FEMA has done? Sure. So, you know, when when FEMA was born, right, the ADA was still 10 years in the making, right? It didn't exist yet. The Rehabilitation Act was relatively brand new. It, that had been passed in 1973. And at that point in time, there was really no such thing as accessible mass transit. Kids with disabilities were still often in segregated schools. There were state schools for kids who were deaf or blind. Um, you, you know, you could travel for miles in a major city and never see a curb cut. Uh, elevators and ramps weren't required. Braille on elevators or signage wasn't a thing. Captioning on television really didn't exist, you know, widely. And so over the course of this generation, so, you know, you might hear it referred to as the ADA generation, right? Over the course of this period of time, we've seen some huge improvements. So, you know, specific to transportation, for example, thanks to the requirements in the ADA that mass transit become accessible, people with disabilities now are usually able to evacuate alongside people who don't have disabilities on buses and trains in the event of emergency or disaster. And, you know, for those people with disabilities that still can't use fixed route uh, buses or mainline transportation, most major cities usually have paratransit availability, which means door-to-door pickup and transport in those emergency situations. So the availability of transportation that's usable by people with disabilities is night and day different than it was 30 years ago, giving people with disabilities many more options than they had at that particular point in time when an emergency or disaster happened. And, and what about the rebuilding side of it, too? I mean, I I, I probably, you know, just for me, I, I guess I was thinking more on the recovery side. But mm-hmm. when we think about rebuilding um, these communities that have been affected by disasters since the implementation of, of ADA, you know, ha- has FEMA had a significant hand in, um, in rebuilding? And how, how were we able to do that? FEMA does have a, a significant role to play in the rebuilding of communities after disaster, right? And that's what our public assistance dollars are all about. And the important role that we get to play there is that as dollars are put into a community that's been leveled by a disaster, whether it's a hurricane, a flood, a fire, whatever the case may be, a tornado, right? That as 
you see the public infrastructure rebuilt and public buildings rebuilt, um, the the dollars that are put in are able to uh, ensure that that rebuilding is done in an accessible way, you know, in line with the requirements of the Americans with Disabilities Act and the other laws that uh, that uh, promote accessibility for people with disabilities. So, so I think it gives a very um, you know, it's, it's a unique opportunity on the heels of what is really, um, you know, catastrophic to rebuild better, more accessible, more sustainable, more resilient communities where people with disabilities are able to live side by side with their neighbors and friends, you know, to engage in recreation, to participate in civic life, to go to restaurants and beaches and you know, movie theaters and all of those things right alongside their neighbors. And thanks to, you know, thanks to the requirements of, of the ADA and other civil rights laws together with the dollars that are put into uh, the public assistance program to rebuild communities, we're really able to positively transform communities going into the future. And I think that's really important. You know, aside from that um, disaster infrastructure, uh, those changes that relate to disaster infrastructure, whether it's uh, in the in the response to a disaster, the evacuations and things like that, or the recovery, the damaged um, elements or public infrastructure from a disaster, um, you know, a lot of what FEMA does is also on the preparedness side, um, trying to encourage individuals in their own way to be prepared uh, for the eventuality of all hazards. Uh, and then also uh, another piece of that is um, uh, a lot of our mitigation programs that encourage communities to uh, take steps to um, potentially prevent uh, the impact of those disasters. So can you talk a little bit about the requirements of ADA and how the ADA has influenced those other programs uh, that FEMA has that really work with communities and individuals? Sure. So I think I think the ADA has played a huge role in shaping how we prepare people with disabilities for disasters and how we prepare communities to assist people with disabilities in disasters. If you look at the underlying premise of the ADA, it's that people with disabilities can take care of themselves. They can make decisions for themselves and have autonomy as long as they have the proper supports and services to be able to do so, right? And in the past, people with disabilities had decisions made for them and about them. But with the ADA and the education that has happened and the awareness that has been raised over these last 30 years, it's become very clear over time that people with disabilities know best what they themselves need to get through the day. So when you think about preparedness, you know, we know that that FEMA and the emergency management community talk about things like building a kit and having a go bag. And we talk about the kind of things that should go into those kits and those bags, right? water and food and clothes and flashlights and batteries and radio medicines and but you know but what about people with disabilities what should they put in their bag or kit right and the answer to that is it depends on the individual because they best know their needs and what it takes to get through a day right so it may mean batteries for a hearing aid or tires and tubes for a wheelchair or sensory kits for somebody with autism or insulin and supplies for somebody with diabetes, or a backup low-tech communication board for someone who uses an augmentative communication device. And, you know, preparedness also means thinking about when 
and whether to evacuate and how you're getting to a shelter or a hotel or somewhere else and what your nearest accessible options are that meet your needs, right? And so again, it's really, uh, you know, on the one hand, it's very much up to the individual to know and understand their needs. But the other piece of that is communicating that with the emergency managers that are there to keep their community safe and prepared and ready, right? And so the other piece of it is really fostering engagement between people with disabilities and the emergency management community so that they are interacting long before uh, disasters happen, that they, uh, you know, emergency managers understand what the landscape is of people with disabilities in their community. They understand what the needs are. They understand what the gaps are, and they can roll those into their planning and preparedness efforts, right? And I mean, um, that's one of the things that we're doing as we refresh our EL-197 class, Mark, which will um, be, uh, you know, a four-day in-person real-world class where emergency managers are able to take their plans and test them against real-world requirements to provide accessibility for people with disabilities and to make sure that they identify gaps and that they fill those gaps. And so I think that's, you know, also really exciting to look toward the future and how that's going to help communities better prepare to serve the people with disabilities in their communities, as well as continuing to focus our efforts on encouraging personal preparedness. Yeah, let's take it, uh, you know, let's start looking into the future here. The Disaster Recovery um, Reform Act uh, provided a lot of new tools to the agency and some uh, that are pretty exciting for the area of working with people with disabilities. So, you know, in that regard, uh, t talk me through some of the changes that we'll be able to implement in the years to come that I, I think will probably make a, a big difference. Section 1212 of the Disaster Recovery Reform Act really uh, created some exciting changes going forward for people with disabilities who are impacted by disasters. So um, where in the past, an individual with a disability who was impacted by a disaster, let's say um, my house was impacted by a hurricane and my roof blew off and my ramp to my front entrance was uh, significantly damaged. In the past, I would have had to make a choice. Do I want to get the roof fixed or do I want to replace the ramp? because of the caps to funding, right? And the limits that, that were there. But with the changes brought on by the Disaster Recovery Reform Act and specifically Section 1212, now accessibility-related real and personal property repair or replacement is exempt from those caps. So an individual with a disability or a family with a, 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 you know, a member who has a disability isn't confronted with that impossible choice. They can actually fix the roof and repair the ramp all at the same time. And so the exciting thing about that is that it really gives families with uh, members with disabilities what we call purchase parity. You know, they have an, really an equal chance to recover as a family that does not have a member with a disability. Sure. Um, you know, I wonder if we could maybe uh, switch gears a little bit. It's not as though just because we are, are working through a pandemic that other disasters like tornadoes and potential hurricanes are gonna stop uh, affecting the country. And so in the world of COVID, and as we look to responding to those events um, and bringing FEMA services there, uh, what are some of the things that you and your office are doing to help ensure that 
um, all Americans have access to um, FEMA services after these disasters in this COVID environment? So FEMA's Office of Disability Integration and Coordination is really kind of, you know, at an exciting place right now on this. Um, we've built on the foundation created by PICEMRA, which, you know, laid the foundation to begin to consider disability issues in the context of emergency management. And then, and over the last couple of years, we've really begun to focus on integrating disability competency across FEMA. And so now we're really seeing that bear fruit as we're dealing with this COVID environment, right, where where programs and services across FEMA understand they have responsibilities to serve individuals with disabilities. My office is there to serve as their technical advisor, their subject matter expert, uh, but they're the one implementing, you know, implementing the, the program and providing the service. We're there to guide them when it comes to serving people with disabilities. And so similarly, as we are finding ourselves in this COVID environment, what we're doing is help pro helping programs and services consider as we pivot to this new reality, as we're looking at how we shelter people, as we're looking at how we evacuate people, what are the considerations for people with disabilities in this environment? What do we need to be thinking about? You know, in addition to how we're serving the population writ large, what are the things that we need to think about um, as we're, we are preparing and planning to bring people with disabilities into these environments. And so we are helping, you know, having having those conversations and brainstorming and bringing the technical expertise to the program so that they are prepared to to roll out the programs that best serve people with disabilities as we're moving into this into this environment. And it, you know, it's an ongoing process, right? Because things are pretty fluid and dynamic as as we're moving into the season. So I think a lot of it is going to be developed, you know, in the moment. And we're going to be very busy and very engaged. And um, our services are really going to be, um, you know, well well taken advantage advantage of, right? Because um, there's just so many unknowns right now. Yeah, I mean, and you know, as we sit here talking in July, um, we're just at the start of hurricane season. And right. I know that a lot of these communities uh, and states um, are, are a dealing with uh, the COVID pandemic, but also trying to prepare themselves. Um, and so I just kind of wonder, I mean, have you been working with uh, those regions and, and thinking through um, what our advice will be to those states as they um, get deeper into hurricane season? Yes. So we've been actually having regular coordination calls with our regional disability integration specialists. We have one in each federal region, so there's 10. And we've been getting together with them regularly throughout first the COVID response and now as we're sort of pivoting to regular hurricane season and natural disaster response, if you will, and talking through these very issues. So they're bringing us you know, what, what is happening in their communities? What are the issues being raised and concerns at, by the state local emergency managers? Um, because the, the regional disability integration specialist is our front line to our state and local government partners, right? So we are um, counting on them to be our eyes and ears to identify those issues and concerns, bring them to us so that we have this forum to brainstorm solutions to bring back to them. Linda, your office has made significant progress in how FEMA and our partners you know, support people with disabilities in emergency management, uh, and there's always room for improvement. Um, but I wonder if you could talk about where are we now and where will we be 
hopefully 30 years um, from now when we're celebrating the 60th anniversary of the ADA. <laughs> right. So right now, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think we're at an exciting time. We've, you know, over the last couple of years, laid the groundwork of a strategic plan for my office that's really built on the notion of building capacity of not only FEMA, but the emergency management community as a whole to integrate the needs of people with disabilities into their planning and programs and services. And again, we're really seeing that bear fruit, which is very exciting. Um, as I mentioned, we're creating are recreating the EL-197 course. We're also redoing our Independent Study 368 course for all of FEMA, which is a training on disability integration, to update that um, knowledge base for all of FEMA. And then, uh, you know, in terms of how we're operating, we're creating liaisons to the different program areas, to individual assistance, public assistance, resilience, mitigation, to bring disability subject matter expertise to these programs and together work on creating programs and services that better serve people with disabilities. So we're working together on the front end uh, versus being reactionary when something is done and rolled out. And, that, and in this manner, we're really able to better impact the program design understand who we're planning and, you know, delivering that program for. And then we are that trusted partner to the program areas with our disability subject matter expertise and technical assistance, right? Helping, uh, you know, to, to serve as that trusted advisor, but also to build the capacity of, of our programs and services all across FEMA to know that they inherently have the capability and the knowledge that they need to serve people with disabilities in the context of their programs and services. And that's really exciting because I think it really does take all of us together. It's bigger than just one office. It's bigger than just one position, right? All of us have to work together to ensure that people with disabilities have access to the programs and services of the entire emergency management community. And that's the direction that we're heading in. And that's where it, really where I'd like to see us go you know, in 30 years. I mean, you often hear folks say that, you know, our goal is to talk ourselves out of a job, right? And, you know, in the ideal world, that would be the place where we'd get that there would be no need for an office of disability integration and coordination because everybody knew what they had to do. Everyone had the skills, knowledge, and technical expertise to do it. So that's, that's my um, moonshot for the day. We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for future topics, send us an email at FEMA-podcast at FEMA.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit FEMA.gov slash podcast. <laughs>